This is Channel Attitude. Your voice, your right, your freedom. This is Vince Russo's The Brand. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to an all-new spooky episode of the Talks with Taylor Hendricks podcast with yours truly exclusively on Russo'sBrand.com with Channel Attitude. Today, we have a spooky, wicked, creepy, strange, and unusual episode that will leave you never trusting the living. Get it? <laughs> Today, we have a really fun episode where we're going to have a brand new Q&A, like I told you guys on social media. We are also going to have a quick Hollywood news update. We've got a brand new list for you guys. I've been loving those. Um, this one, I scrolled through the internet at random hours of the night to find a zombie movies top 10 from the 90s. And we've got some creepy movie facts that you may wish you didn't know. And of course, some motivation to round up the episode to help continue you on the right track through your week. Without any further ado, let's dive right on in with a brand new Q&A. So here's what you're going to want to do. You're going to want to head on over to my YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button, scroll down through the latest videos to the latest Q&A video. You're going to hit the thumbs up, help us out in the algorithm. Then you're going to comment your question in the comments below that video for your chance to be featured on a future Q&A with Taylor Hendricks. Here we go. First question uh, from my YouTube channel is, have I seen the new trailer for the Iron Claw wrestling movie? No, I have not. I have not seen any marketing for that. So tell me if it's good and I will gladly watch it and rate it for Talking Films with Taylor Hendricks, the three minute movie review. Next one. Oh, this is a good one. What was it like growing up in a haunted house? What's really funny about this one is I'm wearing my dad's really cool hat. It says I'm wearing my ghost hunting hat. <laughs> I swear to goodness, me and my dad should do a ghost hunting show like called Growing Up Haunted. Who would watch that? I know I would. <laughs> so growing up in a haunted house, as we have, you know, a fire truck in the background of the studio here, um, was very, very weird and cool and strange and interesting and terrifying all at once, you know, especially when you go into it not expecting anything, you know, it was my first like house house as a little kid, you know, because before that we were living in an apartment, it was just my mom and I, and all of a sudden we were moving into this house with my grandma and stuff, and later on my grandma passed away in that house. So, and the house was already creepy before that. So it was just very, very interesting. Multiple people died in that house. The house dates back to 1912. So, I mean, it's not a surprise really, you know? Um, but yeah, it was really creepy when we first moved in. It was like straight out of the early, late 60s, early 70s. It had that shag carpet with, you know, the olive green and like that goldenrod yellow and that like dark maroon color uh, carpet. And then it had this fake faux brick archway. And then it had like fake linoleum brick on like the the flooring and stuff like that like it was very very outdated uh we moved in in the 90s I think close to the mid 90s and it was still stuck in the 70s uh, you know it was very very weird you know you would constantly lose things and never quite find them or find them where you knew you would never put them you would always hear things that go bump in the night um yeah, it was just really, at certain times, intense, other times scary, and other times comforting. Because you, um, like, for example, sometimes I, I could feel like my grandma was around. Um, and other times I felt like there was something that, like, you know, was really, really scary and had its eyes on me sort of thing. And I feel like once the, you know, 
other side notices that you notice, they all of a sudden know you and will always recognize your energy after that. And that's why when I talked on the, the Taylor Wilde Wild On podcast, I talked about once they see you and know that you know, it's like they always know you. It's very, very weird. Because ever since growing up like that, like I can go to different places and sometimes get a feeling about the energy in that area. And sometimes it'll be very comforting. Sometimes it's like, whoa, I got to get out of here or, oh, I should never be here. I'm not going to step through into that house or business, whatever the case may be. Right. I just get these like little feelings, like these hunches, like, oh, this is no, I can't be here. You know, it's, it's something like that. Um and I think it all stems from growing up in that house. Uh, every once in a while, like that house will just pop into my memory. I remember there was a girl I went to high school with that was like, this house is like the Amityville Horror House. And she never went back to my house after that. <laughs> um, but, you know, there was like some humorous stuff, like one of the upstairs bedrooms. If you, um, if you put it on like rock music, it would change to different country music stations. It was weird. It never had just one country music station, but if you put it on any rock station, it would always switch to like country songs uh, from country music stations and stuff like that. Um, you would find stuff in the cellar that you never ever would have put in the cellar. Um, you would hear like steps way far behind you creaking like when you're like six and seven steps ahead of that step. Um, so many, so many crazy things, you know, on this channel, I've done like growing up haunted segments where I will talk about different stories about things that happened in the house, like the light bulb that burned a hole in my floor in my bedroom as a little girl. That one was scary. Uh, you know, this ghost friend that lived in the cellar that was scary. Uh, like all kinds of random things would happen in that house growing up. All right, moving along so we don't spend the whole creepy episode on just my childhood home. <laughs> Another person asked me, what European countries have I been to and subsequently want to go to? Okay, I have been obviously to Canada, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, Liechtenstein, Ireland, and Scotland. Um, other places that I would want to go would be... <laughs> um, I've always wanted to see Prague. I've always wanted to go to Wales, um, England, France, um, Denmark, especially because one of my all-time favorite books growing up, actually the book that got me into loving to read, took place in Copenhagen, Denmark, and then um, as a secondary place, Sweden. Um, yeah, Sweden. Uh, so yeah, there's there's so many different places. Um, yeah, just just so many. Italy, um, Spain, all, all kinds of places. Um, what are some of my favorite horror movies? Okay, I love like the Insidious franchise, um, <laughs> the Conjuring franchise, uh, the Annabelle franchise. I love like supernatural type stuff, obviously. Um, and I like uh, like zombie movies. Um, I really enjoy like psychological thrillers. Um, I really enjoy like Seven, um, Deliver Us from Evil, or The Pope, or The Exorcist. Um, let me see, The Omen, <laughs> Poltergeist, um, Amityville Horror, there's just so many. Uh, the Evil Dead franchise, um, Night of the Living Dead, all kinds, all kinds. I'm a, I'm a horror fanatic. Um, not so much gore, but just like actual horror, like thriller and horror, and like supernatural stuff. Let me see here. Um, do you keep anything from fans? I'm assuming that you guys mean like stuff that you guys have sent me in the past and absolutely 
Um, maybe I can do a video some point of some of the things that I still have. Like I have a painting from a fan. I have got um, a personalized coffee mug that I keep my pens in by my door. So I actually see that mug every single day. Uh, a fan named Cam made that for me. I remember him. Um, the painting was from a fan um, on here named Clinton. Um, let me see. I've got fan mail from an old P.O. box. Um, oh my gosh, at Queens of Combat, there was a gentleman who suffers from, you know, social anxieties and stuff like that. And he tries to push himself by going to events that have people. And one of the ways in which he copes to push himself is by drawing. He told me this and it was so cool at Queens of Combat in North Carolina, because what he did at the Queens of Combat show is he actually drew like this superhero picture of me that made it look like I came out of like Marvel or DC and it was so cool I loved it so much I actually turned it into an 8x10 many years ago that some of you purchased and it had his little signature on it and that's the story behind that so I thought that was so cool um, that he shared that with me um, Frank I have stuff from a, a fan named Frank Bruno on social media um, see I love my fans I try to remember people's names so much I, I try I'm not good at it I've had a lot of concussions but I do try um, and as you can see I have a ton of stuff um, from fans what is my favorite Halloween candy? I have never been huge into like candy. Like you can ask my mom. I was never like candy, 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 like never. Um, and I was never crazy into chocolate either. So um, if I would have to go for something chocolate, it would either be like the holiday Reese's, you know, like the ones that they have like Christmas, Easter and Halloween because it has more peanut butter in it. Love those. Um, and Twix. So if we're going like the chocolate route, that would be that or maybe a Milky Way. Probably because it's like less chocolate and more about something else. And then other types of candy, I would like like Smarties or Starburst and Skittles, things like that. Or those little, they look like cherries or strawberries. Somebody actually said that there was that was the worst candy on that question on Twitter. Um, and I was like, no, that broke my soul because so many Portuguese homes I would go to when I was a little girl would have those in a glass like candy jar, like all year round. I, I have specific memories. I used to love those. Um, Oh yeah, but worst candies would definitely be candy corn, um, those black or orange wrap candy things, black licorice. Um, oh my God. Some of you said black licorice and I like, I think I blocked that out from my childhood. So thanks so much guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, what is something from modern culture that annoys you? How much time do you have? But no, for real, how much time do you have? I would say one thing that from modern culture that really truly annoys me is people that say something that makes them like they that they think makes them appear smart and knowledgeable, but it actually shows you that they're they're drinking the Kool-Aid basically, I guess is how I would put that. It's not that they're dumb or stupid, it's just they're they're misinformed and they believe it because they're they're it's like a false flag sort of thing. I like to think and so one of those and what I mean by false flag by the way is you're being told something and something is a certain way right and because it appears that way you automatically believe the narrative right but in reality um they're trying to make it appear as something else to gain something from that um over you and take away things from you without you even noticing because you believed the narrative that they wanted you to basically it's kind of like look here so you don't see what i'm doing here basically and so the thing that annoys me is is when i hear people say that we have a housing crisis Guys, we do not have a housing crisis, okay? As of a few years ago, I don't know what the number is now with record, you know, immigration into the United States specifically that is unprecedented and never happened this big as far as I know. 
um, as a, from an analytical standpoint. But before the last couple of years, we actually had enough housing to house homeless people like five to eight times over, meaning each homeless person could legitimately have like five places. That is how much is actually here in the United States, but not being utilized to the fullest. And, you know, there's so many people that actually profit off of homelessness. There's entire industries that profit off of homelessness instead of solving it. Like they could solve it. They know how to solve it, but they won't because they profit off of it and they profit off of other people's misery. So we do not have a housing crisis in this country. We have an affordability crisis. Big difference. And they don't want you to know that. They don't want you to see that and kind of be awakened to that aspect. But it's the truth. We have an affordability crisis. Um, and it's really a shame that people don't understand what's happening to their money with inflation and how so many things that they don't teach you in school that you really need to become a prosperous, successful, uh, well-rounded, productive member of society as an adult and completely self-sufficient. We definitely have a massive affordability crisis. It is, the rates are insane and you're actually... Even though you make more money than people did in the 1970s, people in the 1970s kept more of their salary than you and I do today because of inflation and the rising costs of goods and services compared to our actual salaries. Most people's rent is more than half of their yearly salaries. They have like nothing left over. It's an affordability crisis, not a housing crisis. All right. Next up, uh, is there a female wrestler that you think is overlooked? Absolutely. I think Alex Gracia is overlooked. I think people are sleeping on her big time. And I think it's very, very unfortunate. And once the right company realizes her potential and puts her in an environment that is conducive to her becoming her fullest potential as a superstar in this business, they're going to have a gem of a loyal superstar that will make them a lot of money going forward. Would I ever and do I ever want to work with Shaza McKenzie? Absolutely. Um, I love Shaza. I don't know what her thoughts are on me, but I have nothing but positive things to say about Shaza McKenzie. I actually had her on an episode of this podcast back in 2020 um, of Talks with Taylor Hendricks. Like we had a very, very long conversation. I think she just finished a workout at the gym when she went on my podcast. I'm sorry about my yellow fingers, by the way, guys. I was cooking uh, with uh, saffron and... Mm -mm. <laughs> I feel like it makes me look like a chain smoker from the 1950s or something like just ooh. Uh, but yeah, I absolutely adore Shaza. Um, I think that she has a, she's come so far just creatively and with her talent and her vibe. I think there is a lot to say about Shaza McKenzie. Um, why did I switch from Q&A Wednesdays to weekly Q&As? Honestly, it's a schedule thing. When I say I'm going to do something or put my the stamp of my name and approval on something, I take it very seriously. And if I can't commit to something, I will let somebody know and adjust accordingly. And so that's what I did with Q&As. Um, because just doing Q&As every single Wednesday, at, you know, just with everything else, it was a lot. And there were times where I needed to miss it. And I didn't feel good about that for my fans that do like to tune in for Q&A Wednesdays. So hence weekly Q&As. So then I I can put them out whenever I can instead of the, the add, extra added pressure of everything else that I'm doing on top of, oh, it's Wednesday. I've got to do this right, right, right now. Um, what is the worst fan interaction I've ever had? I had a fan try to break into my hotel room. I had a fan follow me out to my car. Um, I actually was groped by a couple fans and that's why, like, if you notice my fan pictures back in, was it 2016 or so? I started going like this when taking photos with fans because of things like that. 
Um, it's, it's really interesting because the more scantily clad I think you dress, whether it's gimmick or not, people seem to make assumptions of that and treat you accordingly, uh, which isn't necessarily fair. Like I am not Taylor Hendricks, you know, uh, like Taylor Hendricks is a character. It's a gimmick. You know, you can't just treat me, you know? Um, so I would say that that was a real eye opener. Even people that you work with in the business treat you a certain way based on, you know, what you're wearing and how you look and things like that. It's, you know, it's that whole don't judge a book by its cover, but most people do. It's one of those things. I've had a lot of very interesting fan attractions. There was also a female fan on the East Coast who was such a diehard fan of mine, right? But then when I was campaigning to be on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I actually found one of her like fan role play pages based off of me, like, like, talking so negatively about me on how I should just know my role and stick to wrestling and I could never make it in acting or whatever. Um, and she, she to this day has no idea that I know about that. Like I've actually seen a couple years ago, I saw her at a show and treated her with nothing but respect. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I know, I know what you're doing. I know what you've said and what you've done. <laughs> That's just the type of person I am, you know, pick and choose, you know? Um, and in the grand scheme of things, it is what it is. Like her, her opinion does not dictate my value as a person. And, and you have to be that way in order to be successful at anything in this life. Right. Um, and what the funny thing about that is, is like, I did get a call back with the, with the casting people for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So honey, guess you all wrong. <laughs> yeah. I've had quite a few negative fan interactions. I also had one person like lie about how they met me. And then it was really, really funny because then other fans of mine were like, there was no way she would have said this or done that. Like we we've met her multiple times in multiple different conventions. And I felt so good because what that, what that fan was saying, I said was just so awful and derogatory and the big R word. And I was just like, that is not me. I was not raised that way, honey. No, 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 no. Um, let me see here. How long does it take to design my gear? That really all depends on the gear guys. It really, really does. Um, I actually don't know how to answer this question because I have so much creativity and ideas put into my gear, but then it always takes the right sort of gear maker to self edit me. Um, in a good way and also put their own creative spin on it to bring my ideas together. Like my most recent gear at Lucha Patron against Santana Garrett, um, I had, I wanted to look like, you know, the queen of snakes, basically. I'm like, well, everybody wants to have an opinion about me. Why don't I just be that, be that then and own it, right? Even if it's not me, I'll be it and I'll own it. So I took, um, the bad reputation outfit from Taylor Swift's era tours and I took an outfit from one of Dua Lipa's tours and I took some Madame Hydra and I took one of the old color schemes of an old set of gear that you guys voted on on my YouTube channel, by the way. Like I had you guys vote on the color scheme and you guys picked uh, red, black, and gold. So I did follow through with that. And I just, I, I looked like a, a super villain that came out of, you know, Captain America, uh, you know, from Marvel Comics. You know, I literally looked like Madame Hydra with all this, the golden snakes on my gear. It was amazing. Um, I thought about that outfit for months. And then I tried drawing it myself, which was humorously awful. And then I had to go through like five or six different people before I found the right person to make it. Um, I actually went overseas to Ireland. So yeah, I, I love my peeps out in Ireland. Do I like to cook? Absolutely. I really want to bring back Taylor's Tiny Kitchen. I've just been so busy, but uh, you name it, I love to cook it. I cook my uh, my own bread, um, bagels. Um, let me see. I cook salmon, all kinds of chicken, potatoes, rice dishes, um, stews, chicken pot pie, like all kinds of really cool stuff. 
Um, I absolutely love, I, I really enjoy cooking and getting to sit down, you know, with my husband for a meal that I made that we get to enjoy and bond together. Like one of my all time favorite things. Um, what is my favorite snack to eat when watching a sporting event? I don't know. Like, are we talking about like at, you know, a venue or at home? At home, it would probably be like chips and dip or something just super basic. Um, if I'm at a sporting event, probably French fries, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I've never been asked that before. That's a good one. Um, what is something, let me see here. Oh, what is a necessity you absolutely have to have packed for wrestling events? Okay. This is such a great one. I, that is also a brand new question. I have never been asked that either. Okay. Um, okay. So something that is an absolute must for me and has been my entire wrestling career is a little peasant Barbie dress. Um, and I know that sounds so weird and obscure, but it's the, the actual honest to goodness truth. When I was three years old, my mother got me this bell Barbie doll. And it was one of the first times I ever had Christmas presents under the tree. I actually told this story at WWE for my tryout. And I remember Jessica Havoc was like crying. Um, you know, it was like the first Christmas we didn't have my father. And, um, uh, when I was two, he wasn't there. And my mother waited outside of this place that in the rain and, you know, rainish snow in New England and Massachusetts in the cold because they were handing out stuffed animals so that there would be something under the tree. And she promised never, ever again would I ever go without. And when I was three years old, uh, it was it was amazing. You know, I... I couldn't find her when I woke up in the morning and she didn't come in my room to wake me up. She wasn't in her room. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? I'm three years old. I'm starting to get freaked out. It's Christmas morning. Where's my mom? And it's her birthday. And I walk down this hall of our little apartment and I walk into the living room and I come into this wonderland of toys. It was to this day, no matter how many concussions I have, I still remember that feeling of it was a wonderland of toys. That's exactly how I would describe it. There was trolls and coloring books and crayons and chalk and bubbles and Barbies and outfits. It was the most amazing thing I had ever seen at that point. Um, and it left such a profound effect on me. And one of the gifts was a Belle Barbie doll that had her blue and white peasant dress with the apron. And then you had her gold dress when she dances uh, with the beast. And so I packed that. So nine times out of 10, since I was 17 years old, if you saw me wrestle, whether it was on TV or at a live event, you most likely saw me when I had that Belle Barbie dress because I always kept it with me as a reminder of who I am, where I came from, and who I want to be someday. That's what that dress really symbolizes to me um, and keeps me very grounded and humble. And so what I would do is I would pack that and I would put it inside my gear, inside the, like the strap piece here over my heart. And while I'm taped into my gear, the, um, the Belle Barbie dress is taped to my gear while my gear is taped to me. So it was always like over my heart as a reminder of this is why I do what I do. This is why I started this. And this is going to be my legacy one day where I get to take care of my family. Um, and that's what that bell dress is actually about and reminds me of. And that is an absolute necessity in my gear bag. 99% uh, of my career, I performed with that Barbie dress, including WWE. 
All right, I think that's a good place to start for this week's Q&A. Uh, we are running long on this episode. I wanna thank you guys so much. We had quite a few brand new questions. A lot of times there's repeats, but today there was a lot of really new ones, so I'm super excited. I hope you enjoyed this brand new Q&A. Don't forget, if you wanna join in on all the fun, that is Q&As with Taylor Hendricks. Head on over to my YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button, scroll down to the latest Q&A video, hit the thumbs up, and post your comments in the comments below that video for your chance to be featured on a future episode with Q&A's with Taylor Hendricks. Now we are going to head into a brand new Hollywood news update and a little bit of ghost hunting in my ghost hunting hat. Here we go. Hollywood news. So if you want all the dishing gossip and happenings of what's going on with Holly, Hollywood, comics, uh, movies, TV, and more, then this is for you. First up is the sad news regarding Matthew Perry. The Massachusetts native was found uh, deceased in his hot tub in his home in Los Angeles. The autopsy report uh, reports that he drowned. Um, this is very, very crazy. This happened this past Saturday. Uh, this is the same exact hot tub that he made a post about six days before he passed away. Very, very creepy. I almost feel like so many people over the last couple years have been dying un unexpectedly and way too soon. Have you guys noticed that? It almost makes me feel like, what did he know or what did he get? Yeah. Um, next up is Snow White. We have reported about this quite a few times, and now here's the new tea on this. Um, Disney's live-action Snow White is receiving even more backlash, and it just keeps on coming. It just keeps on coming. Uh, now it's for, quote, its woke feminist attitude. Uh, the backlash, just like the Fantastic Four backlash, which is happening now, it's now reported that the live-action Snow White is being delayed by a whole year. It was originally slated to come out in March of 2024. Now it's being pushed to 2025. The Bashing um, and the postpone uh, due date or release date sounds more appropriate uh, comes after the comments that were very, very questionable and very, very um, not very grateful for the opportunity uh, in regards to her thoughts towards the original film. And the original film, like it, it almost seems like nobody wants to throw respect on the fact that the only reason why she has this opportunity today is because of the success of this original film, which legitimately launched Walt Disney's career in Disney Studios. And you're, you're bashing that. Like guys, these, the original Snow White was the first ever like animated film for Walt Disney. Okay, this was going on during the Great Depression. And he over he was so over budget, everybody was laughing at Walt Disney, calling it Walt Disney's Princess Folly. Everybody thought it was a complete joke when he was making this movie. It was during the Great Depression, right? So every facial feature that was drawn by hand that they used for the, the seven dwarfs in the film, they were paid $5 if the facial expression got used. Like, I cannot stress how you know, complicated making an animated film during the Great Depression actually was because number one is the Great Depression. Number two, every little movement, every little tick and move, facial expression and word has to be drawn. Okay, like the, if you can't appreciate that process and how far Walt Disney Studios has come and how many childhood, childhood childhoods it's made, like why are you even the lead actress in it to begin with? Is what I want to know. Uh, but I digress. Um, next up is Kim Kardashian. I saw this video floating around. I don't know if you have seen it on social media. And I have to be honest. <laughs> I think she woke up and chose the nipple. Okay. Like instead of waking up and choosing violence, she woke up and chose the nipple. Okay. Um, I thought this was like a spoof video. I thought it was like an SNL skit or something. But I was wrong. 
I fully admit it. Apparently it is completely legitimate. <laughs> I admit it and it's legitimate. Oh my gosh. I'm like, Dr. Susan don't even know it. It's freaking nuts. Um, she is going to sell bras with built in nipples. You heard that right. I kid you not. Bras with built-in nipples. So apparently this is going to be a thing now. Already models on Instagram are pinching themselves to get a certain look and attention on social media, but then complain when they get the attention, uh, which is absolutely mind-boggling and bizarre to me. If you asked me, you know, what is something that grinds your gears, that would be it. Um, you know, don't do something that's going to gain attention and then complain about the attention. It's kind of redundant, I would think, right? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But now we're going to have bras that actually do this for you. I thought one of the whole reasons for a bra was A, support, B, shaping, and, and C, to hide those. But apparently we're freeing the nipple even more by buying bras with that. I can't. I can't. We got, we got to, I just can't. We got to move on. Um, now that we have the official release of Britney Spears' memoir, um, The Woman in Me, we actually have some confirmation in, uh, about one of the stories that is featured prominently in her, in her memoir. Uh, the confirmation comes from musical director Chris Applebaum, who worked with Britney Spears on the set, uh, for the music video Overprotected. Um, Overprotected was a 24-hour scheduled shoot where, um, 12 hours on and then there would be a shift change and then another crew would come in for the next 12 hours and obviously Britney Spears had to work the whole 24-hour shift, right? So after the first, uh, 24 hours, there's a shift change and Chris Applebaum notices that Britney Spears is missing. Uh, he asks around, some people point him in the direction of her trailer. He goes to her trailer and finds her crying on the floor with her phone in her hand and he confirms that he saw the breakup text from Justin Timberlake while she was on set of the overprotected music video and it said quote it's over exclamation point exclamation point exclamation point kind of shitty if you ask me but confirmation on that there you go last but not least for this hollywood news update concerns francis bean corbin uh, uh cobain the daughter of the late kurt cobain uh she recently married riley hawk who is the son of tony hawk and who officiated the wedding oh None other than our godfather, R.E.M. Lead, uh, lead singer Michael Stipe, and attended the wedding was her godmother, Drew Barrymore. So huge congratulations to them on their nuptials in Los Angeles, California. Now we're going to head into something that I um, had really fun looking up. I wanted to do another list with you guys. And since we've got the Halloween vibe going on, and we never trust the living here, <laughs> legit, like... Like that's an actual thing for me. Um, I decided to find a creepy list and here we go. It is the top 10 zombie movies of the 90s from a website I found at like two o'clock in the morning on a random day. Uh, it's so weird the things you find like when you're scrolling the internet when you should be sleeping. So here we go. These are the top 10 zombie movies of the 90s. I honestly didn't realize how many zombie movies actually came out um, in the early 90s. Like pretty much all of these are from the early 90s, not even the later 90s. Coming at number 10 was Waxwork 2 or no, Wax World 2, Lost in Time. This is from 1992. Coming in at number nine, which aired in 1991, is The Boneyard. Coming in at number eight from 1994, it is Cemetery Man. Coming in at number seven, yay, Pet Cemetery 2 from 1992. Coming in at number six, as we end the latter part of the list, this is so 80s and 90s. Coming in from number six from 1990 is Frankenhooker. <laughs> Never heard of it. Hilarious. Coming in at number five, such a good movie, Army of Darkness from 1992. 
Coming in at number four as we round out this list is Return of the Living Dead 3 from 1993. Coming in at number three from 1990 is Night of the Living Dead, another good one. Coming in at number two from 1990 is Nightbreed. And in the number one position in the top 10 90s zombie movies is Brain Dead, also known as Dead Alive, which came out in 1992. And it was apparently directed by Peter Jackson. Yeah, the same Peter Jackson from Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Who would have known? I did not. I was today years old when I found that out, even though this isn't a segment for I was today years old. I thought that was super cool. Apparently he had a reputation for excellence long before Lord of the Rings. Now we're going to head into something that fits perfectly for Halloween. It is creepy movie facts you may wish you didn't know. If you are a fan of these movies, then you are definitely going to never look at these movies the same way again. I all but guarantee it. Here we go to round out this Halloween episode. <laughs> all right, all you Harry Potter fans out there, this one is for you. All right, creepy movie facts you may wish you didn't know about Harry Potter. Actress Shirley Henderson, who played Moaning Myrtle, was actually 37 years old when filming Harry Potter. That makes her the oldest actress to portray a student in cinema. That is crazy. She was 37 years old and she actually played a convincing 14-year-old. Crazy. All right, next up for creepy movie facts you may wish you didn't know. Did you know that in 1994, there was a woman who at the very last second changed her flight because her daughter had this nagging gut feeling uh, that was so gut-wrenching and she couldn't shake it that she, she pretty much forced her mother to change her flight last second. This is disturbing because the flight that her mother was in fact supposed to be on crashed. That is so crazy. This was so eerily creepy that when uh, the writer Jeffrey Reddick actually found out about it, he wrote a potential episode for The X-Files and, and it was titled Flight 180. Um, he didn't end up pitching it to The X-Files, but it did get him an agent. And after several years, he actually turned it into a major feature film that scarred so many millennials, um, me being one of them. Can you guess what that movie is? It was Final Destination, the year 2000. Um, that is so crazy. So literally the movie Final Destination came out of a script called Flight 180 that was originally supposed to be slated for the X-Files. And it was based on an actual true story of a woman that, uh, in which her flight crashed that she should have been on in 1994. That is so crazy. And even more crazy, two writers slash directors from the X-Files actually worked on that film Final Destination. So small world. <laughs> Did you know, for creepy facts, um, the actress Sissy Spacek actually refused to wash off the, quote, pig's blood in the movie Carrie, uh, where she gets pig's blood dropped on her at prom and it goes all over her in the dress. It's an iconic scene. Well, apparently, for continuity purposes, she did not want to wash any of the corn syrup and uh, food dye off. So she actually slept in that outfit, soaked in all of those chemicals for three days and three nights. Crazy. In 1968, we had the film Rosemary's Baby. So did you know that director Roman Polanski actually forced actress Mia Farrow to walk through legitimate oncoming traffic with her pregnant belly, saying that no one would ever hit a pregnant woman? Um, so when you watch that movie, the actual honks and horns and screeching brakes you hear are actually real surprised motorists and drivers. That is terrifying. And if that wasn't enough, 
he actually forced Mia Farrow, who is a vegan, uh, no, actually, I'm sorry, she is a vegetarian. He actually forced her on set for the film to eat real raw chicken livers. Like, I feed those to my dogs, but I wouldn't eat it. Like, gosh. <laughs> for all you horror fans out there, this is a creepy fact you may wish you didn't know. In 1992's Candyman, during the filming process, they used over 200,000 real honeybees. Um, actor Tony Todd, who played Candyman, had a protective mouthpiece that did not actually work, and he was stung by those bees 23 times. However, luckily for him, he negotiated $1,000 per sting in his contract, so he actually gained an extra $23,000 from the experience. Do you think that was worth it? Let me know. <laughs> Next up, our uh, fact comes from 1976. So during 1976, we had the film The Omen. Uh, people wonder if that, that was actually a cursed set. And the reason for that being is the flight crew that was supposed to be on a certain plane didn't end up booking that flight for some reason or other. And that flight actually crashed, killing everybody on board. And even more creepy was the fact that when it crashed, it crashed into a car that was actually driving the pilot's family. And they all died as well from the car. And if that wasn't enough, three crew members on three separate flights had their plane struck by lightning. Yikes. Talk about that. Maybe you shouldn't be going to work. <laughs> Take the hint. Um, the movie Leatherface starring Gunnar Hansen actually originally had a different title entirely. It was originally slated to be called Head Cheese. Like, can you imagine a franchise called Head Cheese? Um, but it's kind of funny because even though the movie later became uh, Leatherface, which is a much better name for a franchise, you kind of wonder how much cheese was actually around because they were so afraid of damage happening to his outfit and his mask or it being lost by the laundromat that it was never cleaned during filming. So Gunnar Hansen wore the same exact outfit and the same exact mask throughout the entire time of filming Leatherface. Can you imagine how smelly and dirty that must have been? <laughs> Maybe that's why they're all screaming. <laughs> Speaking of screaming, in 1996 we had Scream and what a lot of people don't know is there was an actual real stabbing on the set of Scream. Did you know that? Go back and watch and you are going to see an actual legitimate real stabbing happen by accident and you can see the real reaction to it with the real pain. So what happens is the actor who plays Billy, which is the uh, the boyfriend of Sydney, played by Nev Campbell, when he find when Billy finally reveals himself to be one of the killers in the film, Sydney stabs him with the pointed part of her umbrella. Well, apparently, even though uh, the actor playing Billy was wearing a protective vest, it somehow stabbed him for real, and it also tragically hit a still healing wound from an open heart surgery. So when you actually see her do that in the movie in 1996 for Scream, and she stabs him with the pointed end of the umbrella, he actually legitimately for real got stabbed. Mm, talk about a rough day at the office. <laughs> And last but not least, this comes from 1973 for creepy movie facts you may wish you didn't know. If you've ever been a fan of the movie The Exorcist, which I am, you will be looking at this movie in so many different ways, especially as somebody who grew up in a haunted house. Apparently, so many people saw such eerie phenomena happening, uh, phenomena when they were filming uh, The Exorcist in 1973. Not only was it one of the first horror films to win an award, it was also filled with lots and lots of questionable, supernatural potential things. And what do I mean by that? 
They had so many incidences on set that it was rumored to be haunted and cursed, just very similar to The Omen. Um, there was multiple set injuries, the most severe one um, happening to the actress Linda Blair, who played Reagan in the movie. She actually fractured her lower spine during the exorcism scene on set. Um, not only that, four people that were involved with the production of The Exorcist actually, they legitimately unexpectedly died um, before the film was even finished. Um, and then the house that they used for most of the film uh, was actually burned. Uh, what happened was a bird actually flew into the circuit box and the only room that was unscathed and spared damage was the room where they filmed Reagan's exorcism. Yeah, no thank you. No thank you. You need Jesus. <laughs> All right, everybody. That is the latest creepy movie facts that you may wish you didn't know. I challenge you, go back tonight, watch some of these movies for Halloween, and see if you can spot some of the things or some of the creepiness and see if you can watch these movies the same way. Can you unsee it? Can you ever unknow? The truth is out there. <laughs> All right, everybody, this leaves us to the very last portion of the podcast, the bread and butter, which is one of the main reasons why I wanted to do this podcast on Russo's brand, and that is motivation. Uh, after all, consistency will take you places that motivation alone cannot, and once you get the hang of consistency with motivation, that will make you disciplined. And don't forget, disciplined and motivated are not the same. You need to be disciplined. You need to fall in love with the process by doing something you love. I mean, doing something you hate like you love it. Um, you know, so many people get so scared by tough times. They get so gun shy. And what I mean by that is they're like, oh, it's going to be hard. Oh, it's going to be this, going to be that. What we all have to understand is we are a product of our environment. So you have to choose your environment wisely. Once you get filled with limiting beliefs, it is so much harder to not only over overcome those limiting beliefs, but also to get rid of them. And that's why we're always talking about breaking generational curses and generational trauma, okay? We have to put in the work because anything easy gained is easily lost. So anything worth achieving is never easy, but it's worth it. Um, and we are in these really hard, really tough times. There is so much going on for everyone. Everybody is struggling in different ways. Everything is just not how we feel it should be, right? You know, we might not all be in the same boat, but we are all navigating these unfamiliar waters one way or another. Whether you have a canoe, whether you've got a life preserver, whether you've got nothing or a yacht or a cruise ship or, you know, a little a little dinger, you know what I mean? Like a little, uh, not doom buggy. What are those little? Anyway, we have them on the lake where I grew up. Anyway, you know, we're not all in the same boat. But we are all navigating and trying our best to navigate these difficult waters that we have never been in before in the dark. So we all can use each other to be a part of someone else's survival guide. And after all, if you were going through hell, why on earth would you just stop? Like, do you actively want to volunteer to stop in hell? No! So get yourself going, pick yourself up and keep going because I guarantee you if, you, if you work hard enough, if you keep going and you stay true and you learn to adapt and pivot when necessary, you will find your way out of hell sooner than you realize. And a lot of times when we feel like giving up, we're being, we're being made to feel like we need to give up because whatever is preventing us from trying, I should say, to prevent us from moving forward, doesn't want us to see 
how close to getting out of hell we actually are, okay? I've said this before and I'll say it again. Tough times don't last, but tough people do. And I want you guys to remember that by the end of this episode. Tough times do not last, but tough people do. You are tough. Do not stop in the exact position that you are in right now. Do not stop in hell. Keep fighting, keep going, and you will find your way out. It may not come the way you expect it, but it will come the way you need it, okay? Learn to fall in love with the process. Do something you hate like you love it. So then you can use all of that success to fund something you actually love, to provide yourself with that sense of security, to become the adult that you needed as a child, to break generational curses and generational traumas, to pass on generational wealth, health, prosperity, and overall healthy habits so we can show up for us, so we can be the adults that we needed as kids, and we can honor our biggest fan, which is the kids that we used to be. Okay? Your favorite sports team is not coming to save you. Your mama ain't coming to save you. Your government is certainly not coming to save you. You have to save you. You have to show up for you. Don't stop where you are right now. Keep going. Tough times do not last, but tough people do. And remember, you are a product of your environment, so choose wisely. If you stay in the environment that does not see your value for who you really are, then you will end up shrinking and diluting yourself to fit what makes them comfortable. And that causes anxiety, depression, angst, anger, intense, immense sadness. Is that what you want for your life? Do you want those limiting beliefs just so you can be in a certain environment? Or are you ready to take yourself out of that environment, to fight your way through hell, to come out the other side, to be even tougher than what you already were because you matter. Are you ready for that? Or are you gonna continue diluting yourself to fit what makes other people comfortable? Choose your environment wisely. Become your fullest potential as a human being because the decisions you make in hell and these tough times right now are going to dictate where you're going to be living and what your life is going to look like just a few short years from now. Hustle hard, work smarter, not just harder. And remember, tough times do not last, but tough people do. Tough people just like you. Happy Halloween.